Good evening, morning, or afternoon, or whatever time of day you happen to be listening to this. And welcome to the Talking Thomas podcast, the podcast for all things Thomas the Tank Engine, including Shining the Time Station and all other associated apps. I am Tony. And I'm Orion. And uh, the two of us are here to guide you through uh, every episode of Thomas and several episodes of Shining the Time Station and basically any other part of Thomas uh, memorabilia. Um, and we, we are doing a Shining the Time Station commentary today. And this, is, this one's a bit uh, special because it's our first request commentary. And it was requested by Katie from Facebook. And uh, the episode is Jingle, Jingle, Jingle. So we're going to be starting that. And you can feel free to press play now. So. All right. So this is only our uh, second Shine Time Station commentary with George Carlin. Is that correct? Uh, yes, uh, that is actually. Yes, it is. Because we did the Thanksgiving episode. Right. And that's, uh, other than that, we've done all season one. Yeah. And yes. Uh, so, so it's interesting because well, we, we, we did try to go in order at first. And then we, we, we came to the conclusion that un- unless a specific episode gets requested, it's, it's easier to just do the highlight episodes, you know, the ones that um, are, uh, you know, particularly special. But, of course, we will do any episode that is requested. Uh, and uh, as I said, this is our first one. So thank you very much, Katie, for sending that request. Uh, this is also the first season two episode that we've uh, done a commentary of. Because, of course, uh, the Thanksgiving episode is season three. Right, absolutely. And Tis a Gift kind of falls in between those two. So uh, season one and two, rather. Yes. Now. And right away, and, and I'm sure we mentioned this in the Thanksgiving episode, but right away you can see the differences between seasons one and two because... We, we almost start off in the jukebox. Right, absolutely, which is qu- quite odd. It is. So, I've always liked the interaction between the jukebox characters. I mean, of course, the Fletchitunes group have worked together for years, I'm sure. And uh, I, I just love, even though they're puppets and their faces are fairly static, they're also very emotive, if that makes any sense. Right, absolutely. Because they're they're of the the harder marionette style. I'm not sure entirely the, the technical term, but as opposed to the more pliable foam rubber of the Muppets, they manage right. to still inject a lot of emotion and character into something that could be seen as rather rigid and static. Exactly. So, uh, I like. I like that little ditty that played with the envelope or the piece of paper that went flying. Absolutely. And this is nice too. Um, this is the first episode that we're doing a commentary on that features Schemey, uh, played by Jonathan Shapiro. It is. 
Yes. And a great addition, I think. Um, you know, and of course, as season two went on and, and season three, um, Schemer became a much larger character than I believe originally intended and, and Schemy, uh, a nice extension of that character. Um, but one that could perhaps interact with the children on a more um, childlike level, as opposed right. to just another adult at the station talking to the children, which can get a little repetitive, even though the, the characters of Stacy, uh, Stacy, Mr. Conductor, Billy and Schemer are all different in their own particular way. It's nice to have a, another kid to talk to the other kids. It is. It is. And uh, Jonathan Shapiro as Steamy would be one of the regular characters. Uh, he shows up pretty, pretty regularly throughout uh, seasons two, three, and uh, even in uh, two of the family specials later on. Hmm. I I I think it's it it is cool to see. Uh, they did some uh, great casting with having Jonathan Shapiro as the uh, the nephew for Brian O'Connor's character uh, because they they look similar enough that they could be related, and they even for as as much as we've commented on the level of acting from some of the kids at the time. I think Jonathan Shapiro was one of the better kid actors they had on the series, honestly. I, yeah, I, w- I would absolutely agree. It, it probably helps that his character was so, um, so much better defined. I think they had a hard time. It's definitely a weakness of the entire series that the three kids are basically all the same. Um, relatively i mean of course there's minor nuances i think becky is definitely the strongest character and she was the strongest actress yes of the three um but uh but jonathan shapiro's character was so larger than life just like brian o'connor's schemer right that i think that helps to um to make him stand out certainly and gave him more of the more of a role to sink his teeth into as a young actor oh definitely uh, it looks like Jonathan Shapiro didn't do much um, other than Shawnee Time Station. Um, he he was from Toronto, so mm-hmm. a local casting um, since this season and onwards was filmed in Toronto. Right. Um, and uh, But he didn't do much after Shawnee Time Station. It looks like his last IMDb credit. Now, of course, IMDb isn't always the most reliable, but <laughs> uh, his, his last IMDb credit is the Shawnee Time Station special, One of the Family, in 1995. So, um, and at that time, he was 15 years old. So he it looks like he may have just quit acting at that point um, and and moved on to uh, to a regular life. Which really is what most of the actors, or the young actors in Shawnee Time did. I mean, a few of them... As we mentioned when we were doing Tizzy Gift, Rachel Miner continues to act, and uh, so does one of the other kids. Uh, of course, one of them is gone now, uh, but most of them seem to either go into other work or just uh, drop out of acting into a quiet life. Right, absolutely. And here's the first appearance of Mr. Conductor in the episode. Um, ah, yes. And uh, you're, we mentioned this in the Billy's Party commentary right. but of course george carlin far more energetic uh far far more exciting of a mr conductor portrayal than than that of ringo stars for sure i and i think 
that that's that is a good point. I think that can be said really for the entire series, though, because as as good as Shining the Temptation season one was, and it had to have been that good for it to continue on, because you know if it wasn't if it wasn't as popular as it was, then it wouldn't have continued to be made. So they must have done something right. I I do think that seasons two and beyond are just uh, written very differently than season one was, and they are written with more energy, I think, and the cast gel together a bit more, I I feel. I Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, and here, of course, we have the first Thomas story of the episode, which is Time for Trouble. Yes. And uh, we will touch on this when we do our season three commentaries, eventually, when, once we get there. It's going to um, be a while, but yeah. For, for the series. But... Um, but just you know, right now, I'll just say that this is this is one of my favorites of of season three of of Thomas. Oh, really? Hmm. I wouldn't say that. I I wouldn't necessarily put it in like top five, but oh, I would okay. say it's one of the better of of that season. Which which definitely has a I have mixed feelings about that season. I've come to appreciate season three more and more as I've. Uh, gotten older. I I don't. I, I would agree. I, I feel the same way. Yeah. Uh, there's there's just something about it uh, that you know. I liked it when I was a kid, and then when I became a teenager, I got kind of iffy about it. Uh, but over the last couple of years, I've come to liking it a bit more. Again. Right. Absolutely. And it's interesting to put these in the context of shining of the actual shining tab station episode when when you're watching it. Yeah, as I watched most of the Thomas episodes growing up, right? Stand alone on the VHSs. Or, yes, you know uh, those are. Um, it's quite different than than imagining Mister Conductor actually telling this story to the children. And it it's is. interesting, um, you know, when you put it in this context, you almost hear it in a different way. Even though it's the exact same narration, you almost right. hear it in a in a completely different way. Um, it's quite interesting. It is, yeah, and I mean it's the same narration and same everything, uh, but it, it, you're right; it does feel different watching it in the context of Shining Time Station than it would in uh, watching it on the VHS, which, which, like you, is how I originally watched uh, this episode and many others. So. Now, obviously, we don't want to go too into detail about this particular episode because we will get to that at some point in the future when we get to season three. But um, this particular episode is based on Doubleheader. So that's always good to know. Right, absolutely. I think part of the reason that my interest in season three has changed is well obviously i'm older now than i was clearly but uh, part of it actually is, is another thomas podcast that's out there is um who are currently reviewing season three uh right on track they're doing their reviews of season three and through listening to their reviews i've become uh, more of a fan of season three to be honest well absolutely so so that's interesting. So as I've said a few times, this 
commentary was a request, and uh, we're always happy to take any uh, requests, especially for Shining Time Station episodes. Uh, with the Thomas episodes, we plan to do those in order of release, but with the Shining Time episodes, uh, we have a bit more freedom. And so, uh, you know, if you do want to request an episode, uh, you can either uh, tweet us at Talking Thomas One or send us a message on Facebook. So. <clears throat> And this uh, this episode actually first aired the day after Christmas, December twenty sixth, nineteen ninety one. Right. Uh, which which is interesting because looking through the dates upon which they were released, um, season one was aired as most TV series are once a week. Season two and I think three as well were released more like a normal PBS show every day. So five days a week. Um, right. Yeah, absolutely. So a completely different um, kind of style of release and production um, idea anyway, or distribution rather idea for PBS um, to, to do it this way. But um, who knows if that, I'm not sure that Shining Time Station was necessarily ever as successful as they had wanted it to be as a show. I mean, I think that the obviously Thomas took off and it right. did its job as a successful vehicle for Thomas in the United States. But I'm not sure that the show itself necessarily was. Um, I think part of it, I mean, we love Shining Time Station, but of course. ultimately in terms of if, if we were ranking a show in quality, Thomas standalone or shiny time station with Thomas in it, obviously Thomas standalone is a far better show. <laughs> uh, the shiny time station. Um, part of it is it's, it's um, the fact that it is so concise in its presentation of four and a half minutes, each episode, whereas this, these episodes are definitely stretched out. Um, right. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily have the legacy that I think, um, that obviously the actual you know, Thomas right. show itself does. Um, now, part of that is the legacy of the show is hurt by the fact that it's not released on any home video format um, other than its original VHS releases exactly. um, and, and probably won't be in, in, in the foreseeable, in the foreseeable future or ever. M- much, um, much to mine and other fans, great disappointment. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's nice that it had a little bit of a, a legacy in terms of appearing five years after its last episode aired in Thomas and the Magic Railroad. Right. However, of course, that movie doesn't have the legacy that uh, that I'm sure that they wanted either. So. <laughs> Not quite. Uh, but that's a story for another time. Um, but no, which I, we most yeah. likely will do a commentary on that in the future. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, that'll come, of course, uh, after season five, because of course, Magic Railroad came between. See seasons five and six. So this bit of footage is is nice. It's it's nice to see more of the uh, Canadian wilderness. Yeah, absolutely. Now I'm not sure if they you know if they filmed this specifically for Shining Time or if that was just some 
other footage that was used for something else or it looks uh, very much like stock footage to me but i could be mistaken that that would be my assumption as well i i I doubt that they really did a whole lot of any exterior shooting um for a shiny time i mean the budget wouldn't have allowed it and there wouldn't have been really any reason to because nothing was super specific to shiny time apart from the one hour specials they did some right some exterior shooting but and and i think that they might have done a little bit of either they did a little bit of exterior shooting for the thanksgiving episode or they just got really lucky and found footage of the same railway because the diesel that is in the exterior footage in uh the thanksgiving episode is the same diesel that's later used in the one hour specials yeah but i i do believe that we mentioned in the billy's party commentary that uh that uh that that was that that was filmed for specifically for Shawnee Town, but I believe the vast majority of the other exterior footage that's used throughout all three seasons is uh, stock footage, right? Especially especially in season one. Oh yes, for uh, sure. Because because they were in New York City, so they weren't yeah they weren't really going out into the <laughs> into the wild. Uh, not quite. <laughs> <laughs> not quite. Well, whereas in Toronto, they had more of an opportunity to do that. So yes, um, I, I do want to. I do want to say. Um, speaking of things that we mentioned in the, the Billy's party commentary, I, I have to eat a little bit of humble pie um, because I, in that commentary, I was very adamant that at one point that episode had been known as Billy's Thanksgiving. It hasn't. Um, I don't know where that assumption came from. Uh, so yeah. That's just uh, my bad. <laughs> um, Must have been fun for the costume designer to uh, to create a costume for Schemy. Uh, yes, that that replicated the Brian O'Connor costumes for Schemer. Um, but it must have been nice to you know to create that kind of fashion for uh, for the young Schemy. Am I right in saying that a lot of Brian O'Connor's uh, clothing and esteem were actually his father's or something like that, or his grandfather's? You may be right. I'm not entirely sure about that. Right. I'm sure I'm sure a lot of it was custom made, especially his more outlandish outfits as the series went on. Um, right. But um, and one particular uh, joy, and we'll get to this episode eventually, and Becky makes a wish, is, is Stacy wearing Schemer's outfit. Yeah. And, and, and Brian O'Connor wearing uh stacy's outfit <laughs> right uh, quite quite amusing um i think i personally think uh dd khan is really the heart of this of this series um, oh, and i'm not sure that she gets the praise that she deserves and even from us we don't necessarily talk about her as much as we probably should but right she she really uh, uh just a, a great character and she portrayed that character with such warmth yes um, and love that it really uh it really makes the show and i think if that character doesn't work it really makes or breaks the show uh, in terms of in terms of the human side of the show. If right. if if every other human um, is just kind of meh, and then Mister Conductor is great, then it's is really more Thomas focused. But I think Stacy sets the bar for the rest of the yes. of the cast. And, and I mean, and of course, Schemer as well. But that's more lighthearted. But I right. think whenever they're trying to do anything morally. Uh, exemplary on the show uh it really helps that that stacy is so strong 
uh, character and such a strong performance by Didi Khan. Yeah, it it really does. And, you know, it, it's it's no surprise why. And, and yes, I know Billy was in the movie technically, even though it was a different actor. But it's, it's no surprise why Stacy ha- appears in the in Thomas and the Magic Railroad when, with the exception of Billy and Mr. Conductor, none of the other Shining Time characters do. Right, it's quite true. And Schemer, Schemer just would not have fit in uh, in Thomas and the Magic Railroad. Not a at completely, all. Completely different tone. Stacy's really the only one that fits in if you can say that it has a consistent tone at all, but um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's really the only one that fits in that tone. Um, yeah. It is quite interesting. The it's, it's, it's almost, it's jarring slightly to see, of course I'm used to, we're all this Thomas fans used to watching episodes from different seasons right. together, but yeah. it is quite jarring to see a season three episode than a season one episode. And this happens a lot. Yes. Um, Whereas, of course, the first season they went of Shining Time, rather, they went pretty much in order of the first season of Thomas, right. or first and second season, I should say. They, yeah, they they mixed them up, but especially those early ones, they went pretty much in order. Yes. Um, so this is is quite interesting, and it's also interesting that um, by the end of the series of Shining Time, Mister Conductor had told them the same stories multiple times. Um, Except it was only... two different Mister Conductors, but yes. Well, right, but uh, well, these are different kids as well. But I'm saying right. that in these two seasons, he does repeat stories because they they only had three seasons to to work with. I'm pretty sure That's that he true. does repeat a story or two. I'm sure here he does. or there. Um, so yeah, it's quite interesting. Of course, the the story we were referring to a season one uh, episode. The the story that's on right now is uh, Trouble for Thomas or Thomas right. and the Trucks, um, which was which was. Uh, part of the first season of Shining Time narrated by Ringo Starr, of course. Yes. And I'm not sure what episode that appeared in, but I forget offhand, but we did what well, well, uh, yeah. Um now the we actually covered this episode in full back when we did our season one reviews for Thomas the Tank Engine and Friends. So uh but seeing it like with uh Time for Trouble seeing it in the context of a Shining Time episode is different, especially, as you said, when you start off with a season three uh, Thomas episode, and then you get to a season one episode, it is a little bit jarring, because the it's a very different quality than it was. Uh, season three is filmed very differently than season one was. Right, absolutely. So it's it is interesting, and and as a kid, you don't really notice. Of course, well, no. it's, it's just Thomas. But as an adult, of course, it's it's jarring. It um, is, and uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and the this episode actually first appeared in the third episode of Shining Time Station, and the band played off. I was just about to say that as well. So yes, it it did. So that's very good. But. Um... But so, of course, this is the premiere of George Carlin's narration of this. Um, and then later, his narration of, of this would appear on uh, some other VHS compilations. And, right. And and the like. Um, Best of Thomas, I think. Yes. Yes, it would. 
I like the idea of this episode. Uh, I like the idea of a lot of these Shining Time episodes is, uh, you know, holding a slogan contest. That's, you know, for a show that is aimed at kids, you know, doing stuff like that, it's interesting, I think. You know, I mean, I just think, and it's 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 something that's very 90s, though. It's It's not something that, I don't know if, obviously, Shining Time Station itself wouldn't, you know, be the same as it is now. Uh, but I don't know that a kid's show would do something like this now. And so it's, it's interesting, having grown up with this era uh, in the 90s and having grown up with Shining Time Station, it's, it's just interesting to see the sort of stuff that kid's shows did when we were growing up as, as opposed to what they are doing now. Right, absolutely. Um, and we actually just saw Schemer and Schemey shake their uh, change makers on their bill. Yes. And that's um, the upteenth time they've done that in this episode. <laughs> um, but that, that definitely became a, a signature part of Schemer's business yes. um, in, in every episode throughout mm-hmm. the most of the series. Uh, and that's something I always enjoyed. And now this is interesting because this is also the first time in an episode uh, when JB King announces the winners of the slogan contest, it's the first time that any of the humans, uh, when any of the, any character really outside of the band itself have mentioned the names of all five members of the jukebox puppet band. Right. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. So this is actually, um, I mean, I know it's not the first time that Schemer and Schemey have done uh, the thing you mentioned with their uh, shaking their belts and such, uh, but this is a first for a couple of things. It's the first for that, and it's also, um, as we'll see in a moment, it's always the first. It's also the first, and I believe the only time when the ending credits are different than than the norm. Right, uh, but we'll get to that in a moment. So, I like that tie that Schemer's got, and as you said, the costume designer for uh, for the series must have had a great time once they introduced Schemey replicating all of Brian O'Connor's clothing. So, yeah, absolutely. I'm sure that. Um, uh... Tom Jackson must have felt a little left out because he always wore basically the exact same outfit and not, nothing all that colorful. Stacy yeah. always wore the same outfit, but at least it was bright red and uh, you know railroad themed. Um, yes, <laughs> and and of course Mart Holswit always wore a suit of some sort, um, right. so nothing ever uh, all that exciting. Um, yeah. And now, of course, we have the jukebox puppet band performing "City of New Orleans." One of my personal favorite railway-themed songs. And uh, I like the Jukebox uh, Puppet Band's uh, variation of it. I, I just love this song in general. Yeah. And here oh, we yeah. go with some more stock footage. Yes. So. Yep. And very nice stock footage it is, too. Yeah, on the, on the chassis system. Uh so and a, and a beautiful steam locomotive. 
Oh, yes. I'm not particularly um, – I'm, I'm a huge train buff. And, of, of course, course. You, you and I are both American. Yes, but ultimately, I prefer British locomotives, um, British British railways um, I do. in general. I, it, there's just something about the aesthetics of – of British railways that I uh, particularly enjoy. And I'm, I'm referring to railways in Great Britain, not specifically British railways, the actual <laughs> nationalized, you know, organization. As I was um, going to say, be careful when you yeah. are a big fan of British rail. So, <laughs> um, but railways in Great Britain, I should yes. be more specific. I, I um, and, uh, but not as much of, of railroads in America, something just uh, not as aesthetically appealing about them but it, it's nice to have a little bit of american uh, uh railroad footage in the show and just yes. overall a nice celebration of americana which we've touched on before but um... yeah. it, it is and and i think you know one of the nice things is because as we may have mentioned in previous episodes of this podcast uh, america because it's so big the u.s is as opposed to Great Britain, where there's a uh, heritage railway every couple of cities, um, the America is very sparse in terms of heritage railways or places that you can see a steam locomotive in action. And so I think it's always nice when you can find any footage of uh, of a steam locomotive working in the U.S., depending, no matter where it is. Right. Absolutely. I, uh, I'm fortunate. I live in Pennsylvania, uh, so I, I'm... Uh, not too far, about a day's drive to Strasburg uh, right. Railroad, which, of course, lots of our listeners, I'm sure, um, have been or are very familiar with Strasburg. Yes. And, of course, they filmed uh, the opening for the uh, 10 Years of Thomas video and the, the small interstitials in between episodes of the 10 Years of Thomas VHS right. um, in 1999, celebrating 10 years since Shining Tub Station premiered and brought Thomas to America. Right. And then, of course, Strasburg filled in as Shining Time and the parts of the Indian Valley Railroad in Thomas and the Magic Railroad. So, um, but they, exactly. they and they uh, they uh, also uh, host typically, I believe, three Day Out with Thomas events every year, and they also have huh. uh, uh, the uh, Thomas locomotive Percy. And then recently, they also introduced Mavis, and I believe oh. they also Rusty as well. Um, so they uh, they're starting to diversify for years. They just had Thomas and I believe right. if I'm not mistaken that they build or built um, the Thomases that go around the country to do all of the day out with Thomas events. But I, oh, nice. I could I could be mistaken, um, but it is very nice. And of course, also Pennsylvania, I've never been. But in Scranton, Pennsylvania, there's also the Steamtown National Historic Site, which I believe right. is the largest collection of steam locomotives in the U.S. That's what I've um, heard. And so, uh, so Pennsylvania has a very rich railroading history, of course, lots of other areas of the country, but that specifically in my neck of the woods, I, I oh, am yes. quite lucky to have that type of um, environment for, uh, for being a, a rail fan, for sure. Yeah. But as I said, I, I prefer uh, the railways of Great Britain much right. more. Yeah, so, so do I, definitely. But um, yes. So that was Jingle, Jingle, Jingle. Uh, I thought it was an all right episode. You know, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just, just all right. I, I wouldn't say it's anything um, super memorable um, uh, in the series, but there's some nice little uh, touches here. And it is yes. nice that the episode ends with a jukebox puppet 
uh, band song. It's the only time, first and right. only time, that uh, that an episode ended with that, and that's a nice, uh, it's a nice touch. It is. It's it's a change from the norm, but it's a nice change from the norm, I believe. And so yes, uh, so again, thank you, Katie from Facebook, for sending in that request, and we're happy that we could get that recorded for you. Absolutely. We have some more requests um, as well that we have received. So, yes. um, so look out for those. We'll have some more Shining Time Station episodes coming up as well as uh, we're going to be diving into season two yes. of, of Thomas. So we will um, and we'll start that, uh, you know, quite quite shortly as well. And yeah. then also in the near future, we'll be doing some other episodes as well um, mm-hmm. uh, with uh, uh, possibly some tugs. Yes. involved and also uh maybe some discussions on the railway series as well so oh yeah stay there's, tuned for those there's a lot of fun stuff coming up in 2020 i know we're a month into it already but there is definitely some fun stuff coming up for talking thomas this year so all right well uh that's the end of this episode for now thank you so much for listening you can find us of course on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, uh, a bunch of other places. Of course, our home is Anchor. And uh, But yes, thank you very much for listening. And uh, so uh, goodbye for now. Yeah, uh, thank you. Thank you for listening. And uh, as we mentioned before, you can find us on Twitter at TalkingThomas1 and on Facebook, Talking Thomas. And keep those requests coming in. Uh, let us know what you like, what you don't like, and uh, and stay tuned for some some great stuff in the pipeline. Thank you. <laughs>